0: Hello. I'm Sheena Gill, Chief Growth Officer and Executive Vice President for Cognitive Care. On this episode of Early Detect Studios, we are honored to feature Dr. Veronica Gillespie Bell. Dr. Gillespie Bell is a board-certified obstetrician and gynecologist and associate professor for Ochsner Health in New Orleans, Louisiana, where she is the senior site lead and section head of Obstetrics and Gynecology. The director of Quality for Women's Services and the medical director of the Minimally Invasive Center for the Treatment of Uterine Fibroids. Dr. Gillespie-Bell is also the medical director of the Louisiana Perinatal Quality Collaborative and Pregnancy Associated Mortality Review for the Louisiana Department of Health. She's really done it all, folks. She earned her medical degree from Meharry Medical College, completed her residency at Ochsner Health System, and also, earned a Master of Applied Science in Patient Safety and Healthcare Quality from Johns Hopkins Bloomberg School of Public Health. Additionally, she has received certification in Diversity and Inclusion from Cornell University. Do you guys have any doubt why we have her as our special guest for International Women's Day? She's a superwoman. Dr. Gillespie Bell has received many awards for her leadership in the field, commitment to public health, and for community service efforts. Dr. Gillespie Bell, welcome to Early Detect Studios. Thank you so much, Tina. So as today is International Women's Day, we reflect and we celebrate the progress of women, but at the same time, we call for needed change. Women, including Dr. Glisby Bell, are playing extraordinary roles in the history of their many communities. You know, when I read your article in January, The Contrast of Color, it really gripped my soul. So first, I want to thank you for writing it. You know, in the color of contrast, you notice similar pattern of disparity between COVID and maternal and infant mortality. Can you share what your observations were and why these patterns emerged? Sure, Sheena,
1: Um, and thank you for asking that question. I have to say I was really motivated to write that article when we started seeing the disparities of deaths from COVID-19. And many well-meaning people were wanting to investigate and determine why we were seeing a disparity of deaths. Mm -hmm. Now, I've worked in the area of maternal morbidity and maternal mortality for quite some time and also noted those disparities. And so I knew where those disparities were coming from. It's implicit bias and structural racism. And until we tackle those two really big topics, no matter what the disease process is, we will continue to see these disparities.
0: Mm hmm. That's that's very, very interesting. And you know, the data that you showed, it was just so spot on that these patterns truly exist. Um, and, you know, when I read that article, it reminded me of your role as the medical director of the Louisiana Perinatal Quality Collaborative as well, you know, and you've made great progress there, measurable progress. Um, and you know, there were there were absolutely improvements in severe maternal morbidity among black birthing persons who experienced hypertension and hemorrhage specifically. However, those same improvements grew at a faster rate for white birthing persons, you know, indicating continued disparities. So can you share your thoughts about this? It it seems that almost there continues to be disparities even in progress.
1: Yeah, it's, um, we're very, very proud of the progress that we've made, but as you said, the disparity gap still exists. Um, I do believe that as we continue our work of focusing on uh, the every patient, every time, having the right processes in place, but also focusing on health equity that we're going to get there. Um, the issues, again, around implicit bias and structural racism, specifically implicit bias um, uh, that we have, we all have our biases, but because of those biases, we do not deliver care in the same way for all individuals. Um, mm-hmm. And until we start to acknowledge our bias start to do the hard work and intentional work of undoing our biases they're going to still still continue to manifest in the differences in how we deliver care Um, of course with systemic racism and structural racism there are social determinants of health that also need to be addressed and we know that those social determinants of health do cause a difference in our outcomes i always like to think about the social determinants of health like a tree Um, and i always say it matters where your tree is planted and so we know that in minority neighborhoods there are higher rates of crime, there are higher rates of even tobacco ads. All of these things um, that start to affect our health outcomes. So we really have to tackle the two of these big, big ideas: implicit bias and structural racism, to start to decrease that disparity gap.
0: That's very interesting, and it's it's uh, something I think that your article goes into um, great. Um, emphasis on and, and you know when I read it I just I just felt like you know it's it's something we can all benefit from from understanding you know every every corporation in America you know health systems, the OBGYNs, but also every corporation in America. So um, you know your article goes into artificial intelligence and um, it shares that, um, some of the health algorithms they inappropriately categorize and predict black and hispanic patients' health outcomes and that was very interesting to us here at cognitive care because you know these can lead to such outcomes as black patients not being allocated you know enough resources or you know having to go undergo unnecessary c-sections for example um, and again as i said this is very important to us here at cognitive care because elements that you know including social determinants of health are very important uh, to algorithms as we develop them but also getting the right data into the algorithm itself, you know, it's right data in, right outcome comes out. So we, you know, it's a very simple concept, but can you speak to your observations about these algorithms and and what can you, what do you think can be done to make AI algorithms more equitable for maternal health and health in general?
1: Sure. So some of these algorithms um, categorize raises, as you said, Um, and change your outcomes based on your race. The first thing we need to do is get to the principle and the understanding that race is a social construct, it's not Mm -hmm. a biological construct. So what I mean, one particular algorithm that that I wrote about in the article predicts the likelihood of a vaginal birth after cesarean section. Now, cesarean sections are life-saving surgeries uh, when they are necessary. However, Mm -hmm. we do know that cesarean sections are associated with increased maternal morbidity, increased infant morbidity, infant Mm -hmm. mortality. So, of course, we would like to avoid C-section when we can. In this particular algorithm, if you put in the race and you change it to African American or Hispanic, it shows a decreased likelihood of a vaginal birth after cesarean section by 10%. Wow. And that really makes no sense. I, as a Black woman, am not biologically different in a way that I cannot have a vaginal birth different than a white woman. So why is race even a part of the algorithm? So we really have to think about that when we're when we're making different algorithms, when we're making different recommendations. And this is just you know, the V back one is one of many, but when we're making those mm-hmm. recommendations, we have to really consider if race needs to be a part of that, because again, race is a social construct, and because of the social determinants of health, and because of the social determinants of health that have been affected for minorities, um, again, based on where you live and all of those factors, socioeconomic, mm-hmm. because of those, outcomes may be different, but it's a social construct. It's not because biologically we are made uh, any different. And so it's really important to understand that um, and to not put race in these algorithms.
0: Absolutely, absolutely. And that's something that we uh, here at Cognitive Care really um, take to heart and everything we do makes sure and makes certain that the outcome is as equitable as possible. So your article makes it very clear that we all must look introspectively for implicit bias to find the cure, if you will. So how do you see the role of technology helping healthcare organizations make this journey? You know, I would like to sort of understand from your perspective, what is the role of the doctor and what is the role for data? Can technology, particularly the way we use AI, uh, can that help guide care in a more equitable manner? Yes, Sheena,
1: so that's a great question. So just to take a minute to talk about implicit bias, where it comes from, why we have implicit bias. So our brains are inundated with all of the information that we receive in a moment in time, and we cannot possibly take all of that data and process it. And so what, what does our brain do? Instead, it starts to take shortcuts, and it takes these shortcuts based on on stereotypes or exposure that we've had to different individuals and these patterns that we develop. Um, and now, for, especially for minorities, um, in thinking about our interaction with, uh, interactions with minorities or how they're displayed in the media, those stereotypes are very negative and so the shortcuts become very negative. And so what happens is we see someone that is a representative of a certain group and we automatically make an assumption about that individual based on the group that they represent. And then as a physician, that can sometimes start to affect how we are actually providing care. So I think the way and the benefit of AI is that it is taking in data that is concrete, such as blood pressure or weight or temperature Mm -hmm or any of those factors, if we're talking about maternal care, um, doing a risk assessment on uh, for someone's risk of having a postpartum hemorrhage is taking in discrete data that is not in biased in in any way, shape, form Mm -hmm. or fashion. And it can help in clinical decision making to help guide providers to a certain uh, process or a certain treatment plan just based on this discrete data that does not take race into consideration. So I do think that AI definitely has a benefit in helping us overcome our bias to make sure we're providing care that's more equitable.
0: That's very interesting. And you know that's what we hope to do here at Cognitive Care. We, we really believe that health should be equitable, and we hope that data can help guide that care in an equitable manner. So um, with that, I really wanna thank you, uh, Dr. Veronica Gillespie Bell, um, especially on this International Women's Day, you are such a role model for so many women and we really, we really thank you for your time.
1: Um, so Sheena, thank you so much um, for honoring me and allowing me to come and to highlight what is so important to me, um, implicit bias and structural racism and how we get to an area of, of health equity Um, I'm appreciative of all of the individuals, especially the women that have gone before me and have laid out a path um, that have allowed me to do the work that I'm doing. Um, And I hope that in the same way they inspired me, I can inspire others um, so that we can get to a place of providing equitable, safe care. Um, Every individual deserves to have respectful, safe, dignified care.
0: Absolutely. Absolutely. And we're on a common mission together for that. So on behalf of the entire Early Tech Studios team, we thank you. We thank our audience. Dr. Gillespie's comments have given us much to think about and much to take action on. Until our next episode, be well.